Well, welcome back uh, again here to Easter Sunday, and a big warm welcome to everyone who's watching us online on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you can all find inspiration and new life in Jesus this day. Uh, I, I want to start out by telling you a bit of a story about Bill and Jane. Bill and Jane, you know Bill and Jane. Uh, maybe you've been them. Bill and Jane were high school sweethearts. He was an ordinary guy. He wasn't like a quarterback or anything like that. He wasn't a, uh, a big bodybuilder or a uh, model. Just a nice, ordinary guy. That's what Bill was. He usually didn't get a ton of attention, good or bad. Uh, didn't stand out. And his sweetheart was Jane. And she was pretty ordinary, too. Maybe a little more flashy than him. She was a drama nerd, uh, like yours truly. And people saw her. So they saw her a lot, and, and, but she never ran in the popular crowd. Musical theater just didn't move you up the hierarchy in school in the same way as cheerleading did. But they made a good couple, the two of them. She was the big personality. He was the solid guy. It worked great in their small town. They spent a lot of time together. They went on trips. They knew all the watering holes and spots around the town. And then they graduated. He went off to the family farm, and she went off to Cheshireshire University. You've heard of it. It's very elite and fancy. Low admissions rate. Competes with Smith and Wellesley. Cheshireshire. And it, it, was, it was too far for them to stay together. So Bill and, and Bill ended up having, uh, so they split up. Too far to stay together, Bill had, they, they, could, they had to split up. So Bill, he kind of goes into a funk, and he goes off to the back of the farm and has too many cans of stuff he shouldn't really be having yet. He took it hard. But he knew that Jane had a future in acting, and he didn't want to hold her back. So he let her go. Now, a couple years later, Jane comes back into town. She texts says, hey, I want to see you. How you been? Can't wait to catch up. Emoji, emoji, emoji. Right, isn't that how the kids these days do it, emoji? She's got all sorts of stories about what's been happening at her elite school in Brightonford, Hampshire, Massachusetts. And he doesn't know, he, he doesn't know what to do. He, he doesn't text back. He just stares at the phone. He gets nervous. And then he shuts off the phone. He opens his contacts, he sees her number, and he takes out his finger and he starts thinking about hitting the delete button. He gets a knot in his stomach. Now, you'd think he'd be excited to see her again. They were lovers, they were sweethearts, they were joined at the hip. Why doesn't he want to answer? What's he afraid of? I don't know if you've ever been Bill, you ever been in that situation where you're afraid to catch up with someone? Where you don't want to see them again? Not because something bad happened, but because it didn't. Nothing bad happened except that you broke up. And, and you thought it was over, and you had come to terms with it. It wasn't happy, it wasn't fun, but you dealt with it. And now you had your life gone back to normal. You were going to take over the farm and find someone new, except that you didn't. 
Nobody could ever compare. And now this person from your past is coming back who you pine for but you're afraid to talk to because you're kind of afraid to find out what she's like. Have you ever been afraid of good news? Sometimes we get afraid of good news. That's what we're talking about here, unexpected good news. And it's scary, sometimes really, really scary. I mean, if you're Bill, you're wondering what she's like now. Has she changed? Is she, got, is she better looking? Is she more popular? I know she's got this internship on Broadway. Is she more confident? Will she still want to hang out with me? I mean, I'm just a farmer. Now, I would never say just a farmer. If you understand what that job is like, you never say just a farmer. But he says that to himself in a bad moment. Will she find me interesting? The guy who knew all about the watering holes, and now she's hanging out with guys who do that, you know, founding father rap thing. And, and what if she does? What if, she's, what if she still likes me? What if, what if she wants to get to back together? What do I do? I mean, would I be okay living in New York? Would I move? Would I get married and live in a 360-square-foot you know, loft on the Lower East Side? Is that the life I want? I mean, what if she comes back, starts a theater here? And if she's all popular, will I end up fitting in with her new friends? I mean, how will, what will I know how to say when that what's-his-Miranda guy shows up? There's so much unexpected to all this good news. What do I do? Or do I run away because the implications of so much change are scary to me? When Jesus died, everyone got to see it. And for all the people who followed him, it was the end of an era. The movement was over. The group disbanded. The cause had been shut down. And even though Jesus said he would be raised, they didn't act like they believed it. I mean, for three days, they did nothing. Nothing. It doesn't say a single word about what those disciples did after he died. What we do know is that once Passover was over, once the big festival was over, because you couldn't go into the cemetery on the Sabbath day, you had to, you had to rest that day, these three women decided to go and pay Jesus his respects. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, who just kind of appears here. So they decide to go out and put spices on his body. Do the good, do the good thing. Pay respects as they were. And that's what you would do. You would go and you'd put spices on someone's body when you put them in the tomb so, frankly, it didn't smell as bad. The point of putting someone in the tomb is so you'd lock them up and they'd decompose. And then after about a year, you would take the bones and put them in a box. And uh, so if you had the money or if you had the means, you would perfume the body as a way of showing respect. You would put spices on it. So the, these three women, they're going out, and they're doing the honorable thing for Jesus. And, and then they show up, and of course, there's no stone in front of the tomb because someone's already been here. And they went in, and some young man dressed in a white robe is standing there telling them, Jesus is, not ra is raised, he's not here. But don't be alarmed. I love the subtlety of that. Don't be alarmed. I know a dead person was brought back, but don't be alarmed. I know there's Roman soldiers standing outside who could get killed if they let that body go, and you look like a suspect. Don't be alarmed. 
I, I get that they'd be shocked, you know, to ha have to have, take some time to process it all, that there might have been some disbelief. But what it says they did is they ran away in terror and said nothing, for they were afraid. And that's how the Gospel of Mark ends. If you want to look at it, there's a couple endings that were added on later, and they get a little bit weird. There's one about like handling snakes and stuff. But the original just ends there. For they were afraid. Technically, it's even a little bit more weird. Um, the Greek reads literally, they were afraid for. For what? It doesn't finish the sentence. Like they were scared of something, but it doesn't tell you what. Maybe it's because there are a lot of reasons to be afraid of good, unexpected good news. I mean, if Jesus is back, I mean, man, what does that mean for me? I just started accepting that he was gone. You know, I don't like it. It wasn't fun, but I figured I'd go home and manage. I had just gotten to the point of acceptance of reality, and then reality changes. Now what does this mean? I, I, I don't go back to normal. I mean, there was a part of me that was crushed when he died, but there was another part of me that was kind of hoping to end the drama. I mean, it was kind of scary, all this wandering and moving around and running from the law all the time and constantly being spied on by Romans and priests. And I mean, there's a lot of stress involved in that. There was a part of me that's happy to give up this whole new change the world stuff and to be happy to just go back to fishing. Now, that's all been yanked from me, and Jesus is coming back. And is he different? And does he have superpowers now? Does he look the same? Is he a ghost? Can he walk through walls? In the Gospel of John, he can walk through walls. Is he going to really take out Pilate this time? Zap him with a laser beam or something? I guess then it would have been lightning bolts. They didn't have laser beams. Are we, going to go, are we now this time going to start the war? I don't want to go to war. There's no way they can go back to seeing Jesus without it changing things up again. Just meeting him will mess up with my plans to make things normal. It'll be a happy time, but a scary time, because they have no idea what's going to happen, but they have a suspicion that it's going to involve a little bit more change, maybe some radical change. See, this is what God does. God goes along with us through the darkness, through the pain, through the loss, through the grief of what we go, what we go through, and sometimes that takes time. God goes through with us through the times when it feels like death, and you don't see anything but struggle on the horizon, and God goes with us through all that, even doubting whether he's real or not, or whether he's as good as he says he is, or whether he's actually going to follow the promises that he made, and God goes with us through all that. He walks us through the valley of the shadow of death. And then he breaks through with resurrection. He comes into our lives and he brings a new vision, a new hope, a new sense of purpose. He comes into our lives and he brings a new future, one where we are renewed to something new after we finally let go of the old. But that's scary because we can't see the future. We don't know what it holds. We don't know if it'll work. We don't know what it'll be like. I don't know if I'm going to like what this God I find on the other side of my dark night of the soul, let alone what it's going to do to me. And it's scary. Resurrection is scary because it can bring change and uncertainty, and uncertainty brings anxiety, and that's all very unnerving. 
See, I think the biggest obstacle to faith in our world is not fear of hell. Most of our world doesn't even believe in hell anyways. They just put it in music videos to shock you. See, I, I think the biggest fear we have is fear of resurrection. Because hell yeah, I can just check that up and go, yeah, it's just a fairy tale. Nobody worries about that. But resurrection, that might mean someone's going to break into my life and change it. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to control that or if it'll fit into my lifestyle plan. Or worse, if it'll make me rethink my convictions, change my habits, question my, my politics. Resurrection might mean re-encountering God in a new way, in a way that might impact me. And that might mean I'm not absolutely in control of myself. And that's scary. So we turn away from resurrection and say that it's all really about heaven after you die. But for Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, it was about that moment and that time and rediscovering Jesus again and having to throw everything off. And they ran from it. Like we all run from the idea that we should put our future in God's hands and let him raise us again as something new. It may be good news, but it's the future, and I can't control it. Now, contrary to what the skeptics will say, God has not left our world and left us on our own. God still appears, God still speaks, God still shows up. I'll testify to that myself. God still moves in our hearts, gives us wisdom, fills us with hope. God still strengthens us for service and shows us love and compassion beyond our wildest dreams. God does that and more, especially when we're in times where it feels like the grave. But in death comes new life. And encountering Jesus again in his glory and letting him speak and letting him reach out his hand and say, do not be afraid, come with me and I will show you a new way that's resurrection. And as scary as it can be, it's also the greatest joy that you can ever imagine. So happy Easter, everyone. Amen.